Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. It's also good to have um, Paul and Gloria Thompson. It's so good to see you guys. It's been a while, and let's give them a hand out. Some of you may not know who they are, but uh, they pastored here 14 years, or was it longer? 13. And then uh, kind of retired for a little bit, and then has been pastoring the last few years at Cornerstone there north of town, and just recently retired from there, and so we expect they'll be at another church soon. No, I... <laughs> So very grateful for uh, Brother Paul. Long history here, a lot of family here, a lot of investment. Grateful for them. And so this morning we're talking about the process of God, and we're going to talk about Romans eight twenty eight. We're going to land there in just a moment, like we've done every week. The last few weeks, I, I want to really encourage you. Um, I know it's been a long time since like we've been in a series this long. Hopefully it has spoke to you. Hopefully that you've enjoyed it. I'm hoping. Hope you're not tired of this yet because we do have a few more weeks to go. But uh, we have talked about, we've talked about uh, this in recent time, you know, that we submit, commit our way to the Lord, and he'll give us the desires of our heart. We looked at that in the Psalms. We looked at um, Matthew eleven twenty eight, who are heavy laden and burdened, in, that we give that to Jesus. And the Bible says that he will give us rest, and we talk about that work in our souls and our spirits, and uh, just grateful to see God at work. But this morning... We're going to talk about all things working together for good. As I was kind of thinking about it, you know, I was, I was thinking about this kind of different statements, cliches that we say, kind of like, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Anybody, anybody ever heard that one? I don't know that a bullet in my arm or leg would make me stronger, but it might come near to killing me. I don't know if it works there. Um, it's always darkest just before the dawn. Anybody ever remember that? I am a hunter, and I'm going to tell you that is false science. It is not dark. It, it, it may be coldest before the dawn, but it's never darkest before the dawn. But, I mean, we, I, we know it's a cliche and what it means. Or this, this too shall pass, or this too soon shall pass. Have you ever used that one? And it's, it's, I'm, I'm like wondering, you know, it's not like a kidney stone, right? I mean... Lord help us. Huh? This builds character. You might have ever heard that said that one. You know, I've told my I've told my kids that this is building character in you. I mean, sometimes I think I think I, I have enough character. Thank you. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will. Has anybody ever found that? I mean, they both hurt. <laughs> they both hurt. God works in me. And if you say this, please don't take it personal. Please, 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 please. But that one that, one that kind of, I just, ah, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Anybody ever heard that one? You know, it's like, you know, it's because God does something outside of what we understand doesn't mean it's mysterious. That's a good word right there. Because his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than, I, mean, I understand what the cliche means, but people use cliches because they really aren't sure the answer, not really sure what to say, you know, like uh, you meet somebody that, uh, you know, maybe have two brain cells and they're fighting to kill each other. And, you know, as Texans, we say, oh, bless their heart. Right? Is that what we tell them, you know? But I, I want you to, I, I want to take a few moments, and this morning's going to be a little bit different than a lot of sermons that I preach because I really just want to go through an account. I want to go through 
a story, and it's a long story, and so I'm going to try to condense it as much as possible. But I want to talk a few minutes this morning about Joseph, because when I think, I mean, if when I'm thinking about good, bad things happening to good people, or the tests in life, or the struggles in life, I'm going to tell you, two of the people I think about is Job and is Joseph. And when I think about Joseph, I mean, it's, it's not that he, I mean, he really didn't do anything wrong. And yet, it was like, it was like terrible thing happened, terrible thing happened, terrible thing happened. And I'm just, we're just going to give a quick overview. And it kind of began, it begins in chapter 37. And, but Joseph, Joseph was his father's favorite son. There, the scripture makes no mistake about that. We, we have a fun argument in our home that, well, Shaylee, she's the only one that talks about this, about who's, is who's favorite. And, um, you know, of course, when we have each one of them on their own, you know, I'm like, oh, you're my favorite, you know. And, and it's, but, I mean, because we know, we, you, you love your kids. I mean, we know that our kids are different, but, I mean, we would lay our life down for any of them. But we see that Joseph and he, his father made him this coat of many colors and, and, and gave him a special gift. And on top of that, he has this dream, right? And he has this dream. And just like any younger brother would, he tells his brothers, one day, you guys are going to bow. Right? And then he has a second dream that included, included his, his own father. And, but this really upset um, Joseph's brothers and so he has these two dreams where his brother's family bows down and serves him not maybe a very wise moment that Joseph shares this but he nonetheless he shares this dream with his brothers and his brothers grew to absolutely hate him I mean truly detest him and even before I continue right here, I just kind of want to pause and interject something. I, you know, Scripture tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against power and principalities. And whenever you deal with people, you got to remind yourself that over and over. And am I the only one? Are you not with? <laughs> and over, you know, I'm driving through Odessa, and they run a red light. It's not against flesh and blood. <laughs> you got to remind yourself. But I'm going to tell you something. It seems like sometimes a lot of the tension, contention that we're in is with people. And I'm going to tell you something. And I know I've said this over and over and over, and I'm going to say it again this morning. If you serve God, people are not going to like you. If you love the Lord and you're submitted in serving Him, there's going to be a people that have an issue with you. They can't put their finger on it, but they're just not going to like you. And we need to understand that and realize that. I mean, Jesus said, if they don't like, well, he said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. Why? Because of who we represent and who we are. We're the people of God. But even it happens in church. And so I want to tell you something really quick, just about relationships in church or in general is that what you'll find is, is that somebody is usually, you know, walking and living by the Spirit, and somebody is walking and living by the flesh. And the, and the Scriptures tells us something very significant, and you find it in Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 28 and 29, we read this. Now you brothers, like Isaac, actually, you know, you just need to kind of maybe jot it down or write it down and, or later on read the entire chapter of, of Galatians 4. But it says, now brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise, but 
just as at that time who was born according to the flesh persecuted, everybody say persecuted, him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. Everyone say now. I mean, so Scripture is clear that the one born of the flesh is going to persecute the one and the Spirit, and it is so now. It is so now. And so here's what I want you to realize and understand, is that when you're in a con conflict with somebody, be the one living by the Spirit. Don't be the one that's doing the persecuting. And so many times, because maybe we have a strongly held opinion, or maybe even deceived by offense, we go on the attack and not realizing that we're the ones that have gotten in the flesh. I'm preaching really good this morning, and I don't <laughs> So remember, be the ones that live by the Spirit. When you read through Galatians 4, you see that it's Hagar versus Sarah, and that's law versus grace. And you see Ishmael versus Isaac, and that is flesh versus Spirit. Be the people born of the Spirit of God and live by the Spirit. Walk by the fruit of the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to have that work in your life. In conflict, make sure you're the one living by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph brothers, they could not forgive. They couldn't forgive. They couldn't even tolerate him and so one day they're out taking care of the cattle and they decided to kill him they tore off the coat that jesus that joseph's father had given him and threw joseph into this pit into a well and kind of last second really in a merciful decision instead of killing joseph they decide to sell him into slavery they human trafficked their own brother and then Joseph was even resold and ended up as a slave in Egypt. I mean, from there, life was a roller coaster. But we see something. I mean, when you're reading Genesis 37 through 50, we see that Joseph was always faithful. He was always a trusted servant. And matter of fact, Scripture tells us that God blessed the work of his hands. He climbed the ladder and ended up in charge of a household called Potiphar, a guy named Potiphar, a high official. But Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of trying to seduce her or rape her. And so Joseph once again was thrown into prison. He meets these two guys in prison. He interprets their dreams. I know I'm cutting this really short, but you can, Genesis 37 through 50, you can read all in detail. But Joseph, these two people, the uh, Pharaoh puts these two guys in prison, a cupbearer and a, and, a, and, a, and a baker. And so they have these dreams, and Joseph interprets their dreams, and both of them come to pass. But Joseph was like, please remember me, but they soon forgot him. I can only imagine how he must have fought. I mean, if he was a normal person, I mean, do you think that he fought anger? Do you think that he fought thoughts and dreams of revenge, desire for revenge? Do you think he fought offense? Do you think he fought bitterness? But through a miraculous set of circumstances, Joseph was released from prison, and uh, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream about the, the uh, uh, famine that was coming. And God really moved on his behalf. He was released from prison. At this time, he is 30 years old. And so this has been, some say a 17, some say a 13 different, but anyway, it's been almost a two-decade ordeal for Joseph. 
of having this dream that he felt that God gave him, and yet everything happening in his life looked like just the opposite was happening. Are you with me? So we're setting this up now. So God birthed something into his heart. God gave him something. God had a significant encounter with Joseph and gave him a destiny. And, and, he, and we know that Joseph believed in this and bought into it because he's telling his family. But then everything that happens seems like just the opposite. I mean, I'm wondering how many times in that 13, 15, however many years it was of Joseph saying, okay, God, or was there ever a span of time maybe that he completely forgot because he's looking at the circumstance and the facts right before him, and it clouded what God had spoke to him so many years ago. But see, Joseph's plan and his interpretation to Pharaoh had put him in charge of a nation and Joseph was stockpiling food for the for the famine in Egypt but then something happened Joseph's dream of his brothers bowing before him came true his brothers came to Egypt to ask for food they did not know who he was they didn't know that he was the guy that they had thrown in the pit and sold into slavery. And Joseph didn't tell them who he was. He gave them food. And, and it's a whole story of, of him keeping one of the brothers and sending some of them back. And then they come back. And, I mean, ultimately he's trying to get his father there. The brothers were before him again after so many scenarios were taking place, pleading for food and the release of their brother. They still didn't know the person they were talking to was their brother, Joseph. They still didn't know the person they were asking for help was the one they sold into slavery. It was, big, it was Joseph's big chance to get even. But is that what Joseph did? No, it's not what Joseph did. Joseph's big chance to get Revenge, instead of punishing his brothers, who some would say he had every right to, he forgave. And I would even suggest that he forgave a long time before this moment. Because if he hadn't have forgiven before this moment, he'd never have been in this moment. That was a real quick accounting, but I want to slow down and talk about some of these specific things very quickly. Joseph loved and served and pleased God. In fact, when you look at Genesis 37 through 50, you see many times the Lord was with Joseph. So he's thrown in the pit, I'm going to tell you, the Lord was with Joseph in that pit. When they were contemplating his murder, the Lord was with Joseph. Do you know why? Because he responded correctly. When he was sold into slavery, the Lord was with Joseph. Why? Because he was submitted to the Lord. He trusted God. Maybe He may have fought some doubt or some questions. I mean, Joseph was human, but yet still we see the Lord was with, he's get falsely accused. Has he ever been falsely accused of something? But the Lord was with him. 
thrown back in the prison, the Lord was with him. And that's where it says that the Lord blessed the work of his hands while he was in prison that second time. And then here he is in front of his brothers, and we see that the Lord was with him. A gift from his father was destroyed. Joseph was thrown into an empty well and left there to die, sold as a slave, sold again as a slave to the enemy, separated from his family. His father thought he was dead. Joseph was falsely accused of trying to seduce his boss's wife. Joseph made friends who promised when they would be released, they would help him get released. They forgot. Joseph spent two more years in an Egyptian prison, no friends, no family, and I'm wondering where the hope was. If there is ever a guy the right to be bitter and angry with God, it was Joseph. Even though he was a good guy who loved God, would you disagree with me that a lot of bad things happen to Joseph. That's it, no more, I won't love you. That's what so many people would say. Forget this, I'm not doing this, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm trying to serve you, yet it is this keeps coming at me, all these bad things. When your world is crashing in, when the bad things seem to be piling up and you're wondering why me, this story and Joseph's words should help you have a different perspective of what's going on. When Joseph finally revealed his true identity to his brothers, they were frightened and they thought that Joseph was going to get his revenge. Listen to me. It, th this is kind of the, 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 the core of it all. The road you travel in life will be determined by your responses in the difficult times. The road you travel in life will be determined by your response in the difficult times. The road you travel in life will be determined by your responses in difficult times. I would rather respond with the leading and the guiding and the grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit than to react in my flesh. Let me say it this way. Your destiny is determined by your response. Listen, I know that some of you, you have gone through things that no one should have ever had faced. Not, not everybody in the room. I mean, whether, whether it was as a child in your home that you should have been protected but were abused, whether it was you're an older teenager and, and you felt used from life, or those, whatever the case may be, whether it was sexual abuse or physical abuse or you just feel like everything's set. Listen to me. I know some of you have gone through things that no one should have ever experienced. But I'm going to tell you something. Through the grace of God, if you will respond correctly, the Lord will always be with you. He will heal you. He will mend your broken heart. He will take what has happened to you and he will turn it for his good. God has not forgotten about you. God has not left you. Just because something terrible happened to you it's because the enemy hated you. When Joseph finally told who was true, they, they thought this is it. I mean, in any given circumstance, trial, test, problem, situation, how you respond will determine your path. Listen, we are living in a culture of victimization. 
And I, I'm hoping I'm using this kind of in, in the right way. Listen, there, I, like there's some people I know, they, they have been victims. But I'm going to tell you, not all of us, but yet there's so many of us in our culture that act like it. Are you with me this morning? I mean, there are people who have truly, truly lived through hell. But in Genesis 45, verses 4 and 5, I want you to see this. It'll be on the screen. So Joseph said to his brothers. I wonder if Joseph's heart was just... I mean, does your heart ever do that? Joseph said to his brothers, come near me, please. And they came near. He said, I'm your brother Joseph. Whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourself. Sometimes you just got to forgive yourself. Because you sold me here. God sent me here before you to preserve life. God sent me before you. Wait a minute. His brothers put him in that pit. His brother sold him into slavery. His brother set up the whole scenario of him being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Joseph suffered time in prison twice, forgotten about. God sent me. Do you hear me this morning? God sent me before you. God sent me ahead of you. God didn't send him. His brothers sold him, but that's not how Joseph saw it. And then we pick up in verse 6. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. Verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for many survivors there we see it again god sent me instead of you sold me it this is you you did this you sold me you rejected me see he saw it in an entirely different way god sent me god sent me here to save your souls pick up in verse 8 so it was not you who sent me here are you seeing this it's not you who put me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and ruler all over Egypt. I mean, if that would have been me, I'd have been like, you remember that dream? Told you so. But Joseph was a little more mature. For the third time, Joseph says, it wasn't you that sent me. Maybe he faced times of being angry and, and hurt and, and mad and even looking at the circumstances that he was in. It looked bad. It didn't look fair. But on this side of things, looking back, it wasn't you who sent me here, but it was God. Listen, there's a cliche that's been in the church for a while. We say it here often, and I'm going to tell you again. Your greatest hurts in life can become your greatest ministry. 
those dark things you've gone through in life. I'm gonna, I, when, we wind, when we hit the landing strip here, it's, I mean, I think the light bulb's really going to come on. But listen to me. But first what has to happen is you have to allow the Lord to touch that area. You've got to allow the Lord to heal that. When things go wrong, it's an attack. That person is attacking me. But, God's, but Joseph said, God did it. He made me a father to Pharaoh, the Lord of his entire household, the ruler of all. God sent me here for a purpose, and it was to save your lives. That's what Joseph is saying. Hey, guys, remember that dream I had, the one where all bowed to me? You didn't know it, but when you sold me as a slave, it was you that set the destiny in motion. I don't think that, did you catch that? Listen to me. When something comes at you and you feel attacked by something or wounded by something, don't, don't crawl into your shell. Don't, don't take a step back, but know that God is just opening a door because he's going to use that to open the next one to fulfill his destiny for you. Listen, I know we all get news that we don't want to hear, but God has a purpose in this. Everything we go through in life is father-filtered. And he says, I'm going to take this thing. I'm going to take this news. I'm going to take this, what you've gone through, and we're going to do something with it. Genesis 45, 9. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me the Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. God has made me the Lord. You see it again where Joseph is getting credit. If you read it real fast, you don't see it. But what does he say? God made me this. God did this in my, this in my life. For the fourth time, Joseph said it. God did this. Tell dad that God was behind it all. He sent me here. But you know what else that does? That gave his brothers a way out to their dad. See, Joseph took the high road, as they say. He could have turned the screws and made sure, I mean, rubbed that salt in his brother's wounds that they lied to their dad and brought the bloody, ripped-up coat. That's not what he did, did he? He said, you tell him God did this. God did this. Now flip forward, when you look five chapters ahead, I want to pick up in verse 19. Genesis 50, verse 19. I want to read this passage. But Joseph said to them, see what happened was, is now his father has passed away. And his father passed away, and so the brothers were like, okay, this, he just, dad was just the dam. Dad was just the barrier, the protector. In verse 19, but Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I the place of God? I'm going to tell you, if you're really struggling with the way you're being treated in an area or situation with people, whatever it may be, that's a good verse to put on your mirror. Matter of fact, you could put, even put on there, Todd, are you in the place of God? We try to act like it sometimes by controlling the situation. But we are not. God is God. And God is sovereign. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good 
to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Verse 21, so do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You see, sometimes when we remember that pain of the past, it causes us to be hurtful. It causes us to be that anger coming back, that unforgive, you know, that, that temptation to take back on to that offense or that bitter root. But here, even older in age, Joseph comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Beaten up, thrown in a well, sold, sold again, falsely accused, put in prison, left in prison, isolated in the gold. God intended all of that for good. He put me here to save you and many others. What the enemy will try to use to destroy, God will use it to multiply the kingdom. I said, what the enemy will use to try to destroy you, God is going to use to build the kingdom. Notice what Joseph said, for you and your families, for you and your little ones. This is going multi-generational what God has done for me. And I'm going to make sure that it impacts you and those around me. No matter what happens in your life, God is still God. Listen to me. Don't build theology about what you think God is not doing. Stand on the promises of God. So many people have put God in this box that he doesn't heal. He doesn't do miracles. He doesn't love us. He's not concerned about us because in some way, through some filter, they don't see that at work in their life. I'm going to tell you, God's promises says that he heals. God's promises says that he saves. God's promises say that he delivers, that he redeems, that he provides, that he protects. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you, you may not be experiencing the other side of that promise just yet, but don't let the circumstance determine God's promise for your life. As for you, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. God didn't intend evil for Joseph. God took the evil intent of others to accomplish his will through Joseph. You know, the song has, has been lately for some reason. It's been an older song. I don't know. I can't remember when it was, 80s, 90s. And so, I mean, age's perspective to me, that's old. I mean, for some in the room, I'm old, but that's okay. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It won't work. God will do what he said he will do. It goes on to say, he will stand by his word and he will come through. God will do what he said he will do. He will stand by his word and he will come through. What God was take the evil intent of others and turn it in such a way as to position Joseph to impact and be a blessing, not just to those there, but to the generations after him. God took what looked like, it seemed a really bad series of circumstances, and used them to make Joseph's dream 
come to pass. And so that's what brings me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that those who love God, you know what's beautiful about that is the, the, uh, the, the preference here, the, the, the uh, preface, the, the kind of the, mar- the qualifier, love God. It didn't say the perfect. It doesn't say who got steps one through five right. It says those who love God. And those who love God, all things will work together for good. And notice also it doesn't, I know some of you heard this before, but notice it also doesn't say that everything that's going to happen is going to be good. But he says whatever happens, I'm going to turn it for good. For those who are called to his purpose. I love, matter of fact, really quick, uh, Chris, since you're wearing the yellow shirt and I see you. Would you go ahead and grab the promise cards and pass them out? They're on the information desk, Romans 8, 28. And then it says, that in, in the New American Standard, which is actually kind of my, my go-to version. Everybody's got their go-to version. I normally preach out of the ESV or the NLT, but kind of my favorite version is the New American Standard. And it says it this way. And we know that God causes there's always a cause and effect isn't there god causes all things to work together for good god is still sovereign god is still at work god is still moving god is still doing his work it may not always look like it seem like it or feel like it but god is still causing what you're going through right now ultimately to be, to be for good. And that good is to impact your life and those around you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you, And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.